and welcome to this edition of the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast. Alex Savage Forge back again. This episode is sponsored by AllToDoWithGaming.com. Save up to 30% on your online order with the promo code BigBlue30. So, so obviously a lot to talk about today. Uh, the Giants won against the Eagles. Uh, Graham Gano extension. He has COVID now, unfortunately, so we'll get into that. And the DeAndre Baker thing, and then I have my points to make at the end of the episode, which will probably lead into next episode on Friday. Hopefully, Jordan Levine comes on back again. I might consider doing it on Sportscaster or somewhere else because it's probably going to be a long one. Um, a lot to discuss on the bye week, you know, a lot of what ifs, and I know Jordan is very good at what if articles, and he could probably translate some of his knowledge into a podcast episode and then sort of formulated discussion that maybe we could have with fans or maybe we could have, you know, just two of us on Sportscaster or somewhere else. But uh, anyway, let's get right into it. So Graham Gano, he got signed to an extension after the Giants win three years, $14 million, 9.5 guaranteed. So he's done very well this season. Um, I believe he's made 21 of 22 kicks. Uh, he missed one 57-yarder against the Chicago Bears, and then uh, he's made all of his extra points. So he's been very good. Uh, when the Giants have had you know very bad drives, or formulating-wise, good drives that turn into uh, third and longs, and then they're going to have to kick the field goal. He made three plus 50-yarders in the Cowboys game. If anyone does not remember, he made the one uh, that was supposed to be the Evan Ingram touchdown, but uh, legal shift penalty on Cameron Fleming. Then uh, it was the drive where you had uh, Darius Slayton touchdown, and then Damian Ratley got called for a PI. So, you know, obviously he's been there and he's been the savior for the Giants, uh, offensively scoring points. And I think he has like 79 points scored for them this year if you count extra points and if you count field goals. So he's been very well. Uh, he's been doing very well for the Giants. And, uh, Needless to say, he does deserve an extension. He's going to be about uh, 37 years old at the end of the contract. So will he retire at the time? Will he be looking for another opportunity? I don't know. Uh, it's definitely going to be interesting to see. Unfortunately, he got uh, diagnosed with COVID today due to the testing. And obviously, uh, only uh, close contacts were the two staffers near him. So obviously, they'll be probably quarantining. Uh, the one good thing... About this is that uh, depending on his case, if he's like asymptomatic or maybe he has uh, cold-like symptoms or something like that, uh, he's got the bye week, you know, and I wouldn't rush anybody to come back after COVID. You know, I would just say, okay, try to ease it in, but he has the bye week, so that's very good for the top leading scorer for the New York Giants. Um, the DeAndre Baker stuff, let's get into that, and I said I wasn't going to discuss it a lot, um, but I'm going to now... Uh, obviously, the charges were dropped against him. His lawyer was charged with extortion. I think the three out of the four witnesses were actually charged with extortion as well. If not, they were charged with some other crime. Uh, there was some fishy evidence and like fishy stuff in the case. Why they called the uh, cops after the robbery two hours after it transpired. So that didn't make a lot of sense to uh, a lot of people. And I guess they started digging deeper and I guess they found the truth. Um... But I wouldn't say this case is all that closed yet because, you know, he's guilty. He's not guilty. He's guilty. He's not guilty. But as of right now, he's not guilty. And uh, why is this a Giants-related topic? Because everybody makes it to be. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and probably shut the door on that right now. Uh, DeAndre Baker, he's not guilty. So he's going to be looking for another NFL team. My prediction is probably going to be the Cowboys, maybe the Bengals. Because I know they need a corner right now. Uh, because I know they had Tony Brown playing at corner the other day, and he got a penalty flag while I was watching it on Red Zone. 
but they're struggling at cornerback right now, so they probably need, uh, I would say, a decent corner. And I think Baker could, you know, grow into a second year, fill that role. Uh, Lou Aronamo, or however you pronounce his last name, he's the defensive coordinator for the Cincinnati Bengals, and he used to be our defensive backs coach, so he knows a little bit, a little something about defensive backs. And uh, if the Giants is lose lose situation, you know whether they kept him on the exempt list, and you know the New York media would trash him, you know that's what would happen. Don't deny it. And uh, what fans don't like to admit is that if he would have been on the exempt list, he would have you know not played, and Isaac Yadom or maybe a Logan Ryan or maybe Ryan Lewis and uh, Corey Bouncing would have played second corner. So Baker still would have been out in how many weeks? Before they cleared him. So that didn't make much sense to people why they're arguing that. But again, it's a lose-lose situation. Uh, the other side of the losing situation is now you lose a corner. You uh, potentially now can call it a draft bust. Because, you know, he was involved in all the trouble. He didn't do any trouble. So you just cut a pick. Now that pretty much didn't do anything. So obviously, uh, I think the Giants should pay the rest of his contract. Um, because he, you know, he's now not guilty, so I don't know what they're going to do from forward, but, uh, honestly, that's the only connection he has to the Giants, that's the only, uh, connection that the Giants have to him, uh, same thing, you know, but it's going to be a Giants topic for a long time, the media will make it out to be, I won't, because it's, you know, a pretty much a open and shut situation there, uh, good luck to DeAndre Baker, I know, uh, he wanted a Giants reunion, unfortunately, Joe Judge said best of luck to DeAndre Baker, so that means he's not taking him back. And uh, it's unfortunate, but sometimes that accidentally happens. And, uh, you know, it's a lose-lose situation for the Giants. It's a lose-lose situation for Baker. And, unfortunately, that happened, and it's 2020, and, you know, that stuff happened. So I'm going to close the door on that one. We're going to get to the positives of the Giants game against the Eagles. Okay, so let's get to the positives and the negatives. Um, Carson Wentz was sacked three times. You could really say two. But I'm just going to say, you know, I'm not going to discredit anyone. Credit is due when credit is due. Kyler Frackle got the first sack on a fumbled snap by Carson Wentz. Jason Kelsey was not doing all that well. Um, snapping the ball, you know, it was, you know, sometimes it was low. Sometimes it was high. It was really low most of the time. But uh, the second sack and the third sack came from Dribble Peppers and uh, Trent Harris splitting half the sack. And then you had Dexter Lawrence with the third one. I think that was actually on the last drive uh, with uh, Dexter Lawrence. So pretty good. By him there, uh, Daniel Jones had a good game rushing and throwing the football. Obviously, he had that big 34-yard touchdown. They couldn't stop that, and uh, they couldn't stop the 80-yard one. It could have been a touchdown if Daniel Jones didn't stumble and fall and everything else. So, uh, obviously, there, big production from Daniel Jones. No turnovers. He didn't fumble the football even. He didn't fumble the football. He didn't turn the ball over, and, you know, he didn't do all that stuff. So, he had a pretty good game. He had the highest QB rating of his career, in my opinion. I think you could say this either was the best or the second best game he's ever had because remember that five touchdown game he had against the Redskins last year. Now they're the football team, but that doesn't matter. Same team or I should say similar team. But again, you know, he is producing. He is progressing uh, from no turnovers last week, but two fumbles to this week where it's no fumbles, no turnovers. And that's pretty good. His pocket awareness, I think it's good. But, on you know, on some throws... Or some plays, I should say, he needs to work on it. That's at least how I feel. Um, going back to like the first sack of the game and maybe some of the coverage sacks. The Eagles did a good job of coverage sacks. But uh, other than that, I don't think they really fooled the offensive line on anything. So uh, another good game for Wayne Gallman. 
Obviously, he didn't get like 100 yards, but he had a good game uh, running the football. Alfred Morris, you know, he didn't have, I would say, the game he had last week. But again, the rushing game, still going forward. I think this is the fifth game in a row we had 100 rushing yards plus. So again, very good for this rushing offense. Uh, we finally are finding an identity in this offense. You know, um, Again, I'm going to point to it. That is the reason I didn't want Saquon Barkley in the 2018 draft. No props against Saquon Barkley, but, you know, everyone was talking about, oh, uh, Wayne Gallman, we should get rid of him in the offseason, you know. I only said that he was on the bubble. I didn't say, oh, get rid of Wayne Gallman. Wayne Gallman, I feel like since 2017, you know, that game against the uh, Washington Redskins, the final game where we won, I really liked him. I really, you know, saw his uh, potential, what he could be. And I said, you know... To all the people that wanted Saquon Barkley, I said, look, you know, Wayne Gallman, he's not that bad of a running back. Is he Saquon Barkley? Of course not. You know, Saquon Barkley would be an upgrade, but you need a quarterback. You probably want an offensive lineman, too. Uh, to be honest, at the time, I wanted Josh Allen, like I've mentioned so many times before. But, you know, again, that's my point on Wayne Gallman. I really like him. I really think he should stick around. And I was talking to Cop Pizzle, and um, he was either... When I was talking to him or when the entertainer was talking to him, props to him, he was like, how do you tell Wayne Gallman to take a backseat after the year he's had? He's probably having more yards or at least on pace for more yards than he's had in his entire career, uh, year individually, I should say, because like uh, his rookie year, I think he had somewhere around 400, 500, and then it started decreasing little by little because of the Pat Shermer offense and the fact that they didn't really like him. You know, I'll give props to... Uh, the first organization, or I should say the first regime of Wayne Gallman's career, or at least late, because, you know, they really showed his potential, uh, even though there's not a lot of things that we should talk about positive from that regime. Um, but, you know, I still think we should keep Gallman around. Uh, Morris, I don't think we should keep around. Uh, nonetheless, obviously, he's good for uh, when Devonta Freeman comes back, or I don't know. Uh, it's going to be interesting if he does come back. I, do I see it? I'm a little set even on that right now because the way the rushing game has worked, I think it's very successful. Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton, they played well. Slayton had that one drop that really pissed me off, but uh, Slayton had five receptions for 93 yards, and Sterling Shepard had six receptions for 47 yards. No touchdowns there, but Golden Tate also made another explosive play as well as a 30-yard reception. Um... So, good production from the wide receivers. At times, they didn't get open. That's what happens with coverage sacks. The Eagles did good on the back end on those plays, and then other plays, they did not. So, uh, you know, positives. Obviously, I mentioned no turnovers. Yidom and Bradbury had good games. They were playing a lot of soft zone coverage to start the game and, you know, throughout the game. So, you didn't really see any one-on-one -on -one matchups or, you know, prominence. But uh, I would say Bradbury and Yidom had... A good game. Uh, I think Bradbury only allowed someone like two receptions. Yidom one or two, and uh, both got high grades from PFF. If you like to listen to them, I don't. For a lot of reasons, the O line is making strides, run blocking. I saw it really. I would say, in my opinion, from the eye test, regress in the second half. Uh, I guess they were putting more people in the box, and they were finding more ways to get to Gallman, Morris. However, but in the first uh, half, you saw it really come out for the Giants. It, you know, this offensive line is slowly progressing. And uh, I would just like to see what they're, you know, they actually put out a future offensive line. Not just with, you know, Fleming. In my opinion, Zeitler's not in the future. Uh, with all the respect to Zeitler, he's a very good guard. Uh, I wish he didn't get the injury. But, 
in my opinion, the way I envision the future offensive line. Now, people have different envisions. People hate Will Hernandez. People, uh, you know, sometimes hate Nick Gates. Again, you know, this is my envision. Uh, I think Thomas is going to be future left tackle. It's going to be Thomas, Hernandez, Gates, Lemieux, and then Parrott. Parrott has played well on the right side. I think he gave up uh, one quarterback hit. I don't know. I would have to watch the film for myself. Props to Bobby Skinner, who I had on a couple of months ago. He does a lot of good uh, offensive line reports for the Giants, so props to him. Uh, I usually watch it every week and see what he analyzes and does. He does a very good job of that. Um, let's go to the negatives. Uh, not too many. Not too many this week. Miles Sanders and Boston Scott both rolled on the defense. Now, uh, Miles Sanders actually didn't get a touchdown, to my understanding. Corey Clement got the one touchdown. Boston Scott, he had that 56-yard touchdown, so that was most of his yards. Uh, Scott ran three rushes, 63 yards, so obviously you take uh, 56 off of that. He runs uh, two for seven, so that's not bad. Take away the big run, obviously. Miles Sanders, 15 carries, 85 yards. You know, he had over, I believe, five yards per carry. Again, one of the better running backs in the league coming into the game with over six rushing yards per attempt. Very good back. And someone the Giants need to keep in mind in the future, in my opinion. You know, I put way too much emphasis, in my opinion, on the passing game because I thought the item was going to, you know, be really crap. And I thought that Madre Harper might have a chance to play because of, you know, the possible injury to the item. The item played well. And the rushing defense didn't really do, I would say, its job. Uh... Statistics-wise and, you know, big chunk plays-wise, they found ways to run the football. But obviously, it only came uh, about on, let's see, two touchdowns. So that's just the way I see it. Uh, I would like Joe Judge to go for it more on the fourth down aspect of things. Because I know uh, it was when Daniel Jones, one of the plays, was escaping from the pocket on a third down. Uh, he was just a yard short of the line, and they went for a punt. It was twice that they tried doing that thing. Uh, where they're trying to get them off sides, they're trying to, you know, uh, get them off sides, and they run it down to the clock, and they get a delay game penalty. Hold on, where's my flag? I gotta throw it. And I don't have it, actually. Actually, I do. And they throw the flag for delay game penalty, so obviously Joe Judge did that twice. He pulls it out of the Belichick playbook, which is fine, but, you know, uh, it gets a little old after a while, and I think you need to be more aggressive. Nonetheless, though, um, I think this is definitely positive energy going into the bye week, Coming into my points to make, I know I'm already like uh, short, uh, I would say length in this podcast episode, it might end early, who knows, but uh, let me continue with the conversation, positive energy going to the bye week, um, you know, a win against the Eagles, definitely, you know, this is, I have never felt, I would say, this season in their wins that it was like, oh my god, they actually, you know, took the whole win this game, that actually, you know, they had it the whole game, that's my take on it, because you look at the first game against the Redskins, you know, um, the way that the last touchdown, right, if he makes that two-point conversion, it's 22-21, the Giants would have to be pressured to go down the field and kick another field goal, and, you know, Daniel Jones threw that interception, which put them back into the game, then you take a look at uh, the defense slowing down against the football team in week nine, you know, our only two wins before the Eagles game. And, you know, the defense was slowing down. Terry McLaurin, that big 68-yard touchdown, and then you had, I think it was another touchdown from Cam Sims or someone else, I don't know. Um, but those games, you felt, oh, my God, the defense is going to blow it, you know. But 
this game, you didn't really feel that because even though it was a 14-3 lead at halftime, you know, the Giants did lead at one point by 11 points in the last Eagles game. Um, you know, you didn't feel it here. It was 14-3. Yes, they gave up that rushing touchdown to Boston Scott, which put them at, I think it was 14-11, if I'm not mistaken, because they went for two. Obviously, Doug Peterson, he's a tryhard and he's a baby because if um, you look at what he did on WIP, uh, I think that's the Philly Network, or I should say Philly radio station, he went on, he does this uh, Monday morning thing, just like Sam Donald on the Michael K show, and he's like, you know, you want me to hang up right now? Because the guy was joking with him. He goes, oh, you give me a good reason to hang up. Can I hang up now? Like, don't be a baby. Honestly, I had more respect for Doug Peterson. I had probably had the most respect for him as, you know, a different coach in the division other than Ron Rivera. But come on, you have to take that stuff, uh, I would say, like a man. You know, again, losing is hard but come on man like you know and people are pointing to other things that the eagles were playing like they had no respect for the giants well it's a rivalry so what do you expect but uh definitely positive energy going to the bye week and you know you definitely felt going back to my point um when it was 14 11 then the giants scored with a wayne gallman touchdown then they came back uh i think the score was, at that point was i believe 24 17 or might have been uh let's see let me do my math here they had another field goal, so I think it was like 24-17 after a while. Then they didn't make it on the fourth down conversion. Giants go back with the field goal. Then they don't make it on fourth down again after the Dexter Lawrence sack. Then the Giants end the game. And, you know, I had my suspicions only because this is the Eagles and we've choked so many times. But I had a better feeling about it than I did against the Eagles the first time. We should have won that game. But nonetheless, this team is making strides. Positive energy going on the bike. I honestly think... That we could beat the Bengals in week 12. I honestly think that. Their offensive line is not necessarily something to talk about in a positive way. They have a lot of injuries there. I know they had Quentin Spain at right tackle. And uh, they have a lot of re- semi-replacements and some, uh, I would say, mixed uh, combinations of that offensive line. I know Bobby Hart's not playing or wasn't playing. Jonah Williams is not playing. So that's going to be a positive if in two weeks that they don't have their full offensive line, and Patrick Graham say, okay, we can attack this guy, you know, do these things. Because he's a genius, in my opinion, uh, compared to the last defensive coordinator we had, which was James Betcher. So, uh, definitely positive energy going into the bye week, and obviously me and Jordan are going to look at the schedule on Friday and, you know, break it down and say, hey, uh, what games can the Giants win, what games can they be competitive in? The Seahawks game, that's actually going to be closer than people think. Oh, the Giants can get blown up by the Seahawks. No, they're not, in my opinion at least. Because, you know, you look at the last time, oh, the Giants can get blown up by the Bucks. No, they didn't. It was a close game. Same thing with the Steelers. The Steelers are undefeated. And Seattle, I believe, is injured right now on some parts of the ball. You saw them uh, last two weeks get wrecked by the Rams and the Bills. They're better teams than us, yes. But, again, you know, we made it competitive against the Rams. Um... Competing games will be key down the stretch, and obviously we're going to talk about that on Friday with Jordan. Um, that is going to be the key. If you're not in it, you're not going to be putting yourself in a chance to possibly make a playoff spot. You need to be competitive in every single game. Even if you don't win against the team, let's say the Seahawks or the Cardinals, right? Let's just say that. You know, you don't win games, but you're competitive. At least you have a positive note going into the next season. Because if you totally flipped. Because if you totally flip the ball, it's going to be like, okay, this team is back where it was at the beginning of the season. They have no hope going into next year. Dave Gettleman gets fired. Daniel Jones is replaced at quarterback. That's not the way you want to end a season. You know, 
with how many things went wrong in 2018, people said, okay, with these close games, they're competing. They're losing, though, but they're competing. And next year, if they add a couple of pieces, you know, they're going to win some football games. And, you know, that didn't happen because we totally rebuilt the thing and we put some, you know, rookies on defense and we had the most rookies played. And, you know, that happened to be one of the worst defenses I've ever seen. Um, obviously, because there's a lot of rookies and our defensive coordinator didn't know what he was doing. But my point is, like, you know, I've got to be competitive down the stretch. I think we could be competitive with the Ravens, honestly. I'm starting to think that even more and more after the performance they had with Lamar uh, not doing so well, throwing an interception, I think this defense can confuse their offense. You know, props to Lamar for running the football as much as he can and whatever. Uh, I probably got to do more research on him. But I think we can be competitive. You know, the Giants are going to be that underdog. Everybody's going to say in the next couple weeks, oh, they're going to get blown by this team, this team, and this team. No. Listen, four out of our next six opponents are over 500, yes. Uh, at the same time, we have been competitive with every team this season except for the 49ers. 49ers, if you can, you could say the first half. So, again, you know, I think we could beat the Browns, I think we could beat the Cowboys, and I think we could beat the Bengals. If we get any other games besides that, I would like that to happen. Will it happen? I don't know. And it also be very giant-like to lose those games. So, you know, we'll see what comes down in the next couple of weeks. Keep the rotational line system going. Uh, I like where this is headed. Obviously, I said earlier that we should have the future offensive line in. But, you know, keep rotating prayer at left tackle, right tackle. Keep putting Lemieux in there. Keep putting Hernandez in there. You know, it's working. It's working. It's not just, oh, the same old old line is very garbage. No. You know, the times where Fleming is out, Perk goes in, he plays well. Fleming has his uh, mistakes, he has his flaws, and we've seen that, we knew this, and I rip on him all the time, and I say Matt Parrott should go right tackle, honestly that's my opinion, but as of right now, you know, this rotational line is working very well in my opinion, and the last but not least that the Giants fans are very excited about, at least the positive ones, O'Shane Zeminis, Tay Crowder, Xavier McKinney, possibly Graham Gonneau, and uh, there was one more player I mentioned, I don't remember, but... Those three to four players are coming back after the bye week. Hey, Crowder, you know, that scoop and score against the Washington football team the first time, that was big. Even though Fackrell created the sack, uh, Crowder, he got it, ran into the end zone, touchdown, there we go. Obviously, he has some stuff he could work on, but at the same time, he's coming back after the bye, and we are so excited to see him, another rookie playing. Obviously, we haven't seen TJ Brunson, Chris Williamson yet, so that's going to be interesting. O'Shane Zimenez, uh, I think he has half a sack this year. If he doesn't, he has a couple of QB hits. I think he has like, uh, I don't know, maybe like five or four. Um, we'll see what his production is like, but it's going to be really interesting, especially for the fact that Kyler Fackrell's production has slightly gone down the last couple of weeks. But I'll give Fackrell, you know, the props that he was better than a Kareem Martin, you should say. Because basically they signed him for the same exact reason. Because if you take a look at 2018, uh, they said, oh, Kareem Martin, he fits. You know, let's bring him over. He had, what, half a sack, one and a half sack, something like that. And then you look at Fackrell, he's had, what, three sacks on the season. He is the uh, second leader in sacks for this team besides Dexter Lawrence. And he obviously got Leonard Williams first. And then you got Xavier McKinney. You know, everybody was hyped about him, and you're going to have a lot of flexibility with his back-end defense. And, you know, there's a lot of, I would say, potential. Because, obviously, he was a hot product coming out of Alabama. I had him going in the first round to maybe someone like the Ravens, in my opinion. That's who I had him go to. But the Giants picked him up. Obviously, he broke his foot, so he's out. So, after the bye week, obviously, we 
hope to get him back. He probably will be back, and he'll probably play a lot of snaps against the Seahawks rather than against the Bengals. But, you know, you could probably do something with three safeties. You don't have to rely on somebody like uh, Adrian Colbert. You know, they don't have to bring him back. So you do three safety looks. Maybe you put uh, Julian Love covering somebody. Maybe you have Logan Ryan covering somebody. Rather, just rely on uh, Madre Harper or Isaac Idom. It's going to be really, really interesting to see after the bye week. And I'm going to be so excited. Um, hopefully, they win against the Bengals because all that positive energy goes in. They practice well. Joe Judge, very good coach so far. We're going to evaluate him on Friday. Um, done a very good job so far, at least in this last seven games. He's done a very good job of coaching this team the right way, the right way compared to the last couple of years where it's been dog shit. So um, that's pretty much it for this episode, a very short one in my opinion. If you look at the time, it's probably like only like 20 minutes compared to my 30-minute, 40-minute episodes. Um, I'll let you guys know on Twitter if I'm going live on Sportscast or maybe even Periscope or maybe even YouTube on Friday because we are going to fully evaluate or I would say halfway evaluate this team because we also have Tuesday as well. I'm probably going to start incorporating my NFL picks in the podcast episodes and also maybe a little bit Yankees in here as well because it is the offseason and we should be talking about uh, some Yankees as well. Who are they going to get in free agency? Is, is LeMahieu coming back? Are we going to you know see another pitcher in this rotation? We'll talk about that in the future. Thanks, guys, again for supporting. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Our podcast is available on Spotify, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Overcast, and CastBox. Follow our Twitter and Instagram accounts at Big Blue in the Bronx for updates as usual. Thank you, guys, and we will see you on Friday.